Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. Show your scars, Jordan Angeli, and I'm back. Another episode. Excited to bring you this one because it is with one of my former teammates and friends of mine, Jasmine Spencer. Jasmine is a professional women's soccer player. She plays in the National Women's Soccer League for Olympic Lyon Reign, which is the team in the Seattle Tacoma area so they just became OL Reign over the offseason when they had their ownership rights taken over by Olympic Lyon from the French side so this that's a really big name in soccer if you know anything about women's soccer and for them to invest in the game in NWSL is a really cool unique new partnership and ownership deal and so Um, Jasmine talks a little bit about that, but Jazzy is also just such a light. And I think you guys will see that right away, just how joyful she is and how she's approached this whole entire process. We really dig into her post that she had a couple days ago on Instagram, right after her one year anniversary from her ACL knee injury and how she has kept this positive mindset throughout the whole entire rehab process even now into this unknown of when her season is going to start, when she's going to be able to rejoin the team. So I really enjoyed this and I think you guys will too. You'll hear me call her a variety of names, uh, just that old teammate coming out of me, but I am excited to introduce you guys to Jasmine Spencer. I try not to have favorites. But whenever I can bring a former teammate on, I get really excited. Jazzy, how you doing, girl? Hi, I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Yeah. Pretty crazy, I'm sure everyone knows, but I'm doing well. Yeah. So I think that's a good way to start off because this will probably air when we're still in the middle of this quarantine kind of lifestyle. So where are you right now? What have you been up to? How are you staying sane? How are you staying fit? All the questions. Yeah. So um, I'm in Tacoma, um, which is where OL Rain is based out of uh, in the NWSL. And I've been here since mid-February. I came a little bit early to get myself situated um, before preseason. Um, I'm still in the final stages of um, rehabbing, but yeah, it's been crazy. We were one of the first states to hit the, have the outbreak, so we have been in self-quarantine for two months now, which oh is pretty gosh. easy to think about, yeah, um, and thankfully our organization was very proactive um, in the situation and just like getting us things like we, that we needed, like a bunch of us have, um, the gym equipment scattered in our apartment so we can keep up with our workouts and we have weekly zoom meetings. Um, so they've been very, very helpful throughout all of this. 
So that sounds like it's keeping you busy because one of the thing is like, what do you, you would be actually, this would have been right at the time where the first games would be happening for NWSL. The season would have just been starting and you guys have instead had these couple of months where you're just like, how do I stay fit and like prepare almost like preseason has now become four months, which is hard mentally, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I think for us here at the rain, we're kind of looking at it as a blessing in disguise because we had so many injuries, specifically Mm. season ending injuries, um, as well as a big chunk of our team playing in Australia and the preseason was going to overlap with the end of the Australian season. So we were going to be very disjointed coming in and probably not at our best um, and fittest and connected um, this weekend to kick off. So in a way, um, the extra time I think will be very beneficial for us. Um, And again, because we have so many people rehabbing, the league has actually done a very good job in letting us have one-on-one um, sessions with our medical staff so we can oh, continue our rehab process. Absolutely. Um, it was something that we were all worried about because we're borderline cleared to play, but not what quite, quite there yet. Um, so it was kind of devastating in the beginning, but thankfully the league and our organization have been very understanding and supportive and kind of enabled us you keep progressing in this. Yeah. And we'll get around to like what the last year has really entailed for you. But when we're talking about a big injury and you've worked so hard for so long to get back to a point that I can imagine you're just like, "I I need to keep this confidence up. Like I'm ready. I'm like itching to get back, but being pulled away from all of those things that are helping you continue that growth probably were really shocking at first year, but it's nice that the league and your, your team, found a way for you guys to get that. And I like, Jess, you like right away, you just went into OL Reign. Like, that's a big thing. You guys changed to uh, a new team this year, really, new organiza- or ownership. And um, I'm sure that's been kind of fun and exciting as well. Yeah, I mean, it's such a prestigious sports club. And I think um, we're all very lucky to be a part of it. And I think it speaks volumes to our um, previous owners, Bill and Teresa Predmore, and how much they've invested in the women's game and Mm -hmm. truly believe in the club that they started here to go out and, and form a partnership with such a dominant club, especially in the women's game. Um, You know, it's really exciting for us. It's it's exciting for the league. It's exciting for women's soccer in general. And, and I, I mean, we all can't wait to really put it all out in action. Okay. I have to ask, we talked about like how you're staying fit and what you're doing with your team, but like, what are you doing? Like, what else are you doing to stay? Like, what are the fun things every day that you're like, I'm a puzzle person or I'm reading books. I don't know. Like give us the insight of what's happening in your apartment every day. Yeah. So, um, I live with Michelle Betos. Um, and where is she? Is she there? She's out right now. You better um, come say hi. At some I, I know. I need to let her know that we're on here. Um, I don't know if she'll be back in time. She went for a walk. We live right down on the water. So oh, nice. It's, it's nice to um, get out social distancing, obviously. Um, but just to have that to kind of give yourself a break from being cooped up all the time. But yeah, we do. I mean, she's really big into mental health and she has great books and suggestions and meditation skills. So we do a lot of that. 
Um, and then I relaunched my headband collection as like a full um, clothing line. So I've had a lot of fun doing like some design stuff. Um, my mom shipped my sewing machine out here. So I've been just coming up with lots of new projects for that. Um, and it's been really fun because it's time that I have to invest in the company that I wouldn't ordinarily have. So it's right. been a lot of I love that. And I'm going to dive into that a little bit more later on in the podcast. But first I want to, I want to get into why I have you today is this idea of like kind of living out your dreams and learning through what we've been put through in order to like really be the best version of ourselves, right? Like there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. Um, but you jazz have like done a really good job of keeping a level head on your shoulders. Right. And I want to go all the way back, like to when you were growing up and, uh, the moment you realized that you loved playing soccer and maybe when you realized, okay, maybe I can play as a professional too. Yeah. So I grew up on Long Island, New York, for those who don't know. Um, you can I tell have, by the way you say it. Yeah. <laughs> it never leaves. The accent never leaves. Um, but yeah, I had two older brothers and they played soccer. And so I was just kind of following suit, running around, chasing them. And it's something that really connected my whole family. We traveled to all each other's games. Um, my brother had played internationally for a little bit. So that's like our first, um, traveling around the world as a family unit. So I think it, soccer is something that really united my whole family from when we were all very young. Um, and that's definitely where my love and passion comes from just because it's so deeply rooted in my family. Mm -hmm. And then I want to say for sure, right around the 99ers is when I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And I had no idea, you know, at nine that actually they were kind of amateurs, really like this dream of being a professional, like didn't really exist for women. But when you're that young, you don't really know. So I, I guess I just have to thank the generations that knock down all those walls yeah. that came before me to even give me the opportunity um, to call myself a professional. When I came out of college, I was drafted into the WPS in that 2012 year, and then it folded like two weeks later. So I genuinely did not know if this was ever going to be something that um, came to fruition, but we are all resilient females and right? <laughs> particularly female athletes. Um, and so here we are season right. eight, the NWSL and um, just now we're the generation knocking down some more walls for the next young ladies to come through. What was that like when you got drafted and then to know, like you were on the high of a high, right? And then like, what, we're not going to have the, the league folded. It's no longer like, what did you go into in that moment? Did you immediately start to figure out where you were, well, where else you could play? Or was there this sense of like, I lost something so important to me? Yeah, I think both. Um, immediately I was in shock and like, wow, like I'm never going to actually be able to be a professional athlete. Um, and that was devastating. And, and I didn't know even really my options. So I had spoke to who, Paul Riley, who was then the Philadelphia Independence coach and who drafted me. And he said, um, I have contacts overseas. If you're interested in going overseas, there's also talks of a kind of uh, small, like semi-pro 
summer league, uh, mm -hmm. which was called the WPSL Elite, which I actually wound up playing in. It, it was about three months. We got paid per per game, but it yeah. was something better than nothing. Um, and when I got drafted, backtracking a little bit, I actually withdrew from my last semester of college because I was like, I'm going for Let's it. Let's go, right. Um, and then by the time the, the news trickled out, I couldn't re-enroll because I missed the deadline. So it was really like a difficult situation. But I just went home and kind of regrouped, um, trained with my old club teams, and, and just, yeah, kind of waited for the next opportunity to come, which – was that WPSL Elite Semi-Pro League. Right. And that's like the, I mean, I'm sure not really the beginning of your resilience, but you have been a super resilient player, Jasmine. And like, when you think about it, this is going to be the eighth year of NWSL you've played in every single year. And for you, if you had to describe your your build up to now as a pro soccer player here in the U.S., how would you describe to people what that's been like for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, just like you said, like my whole career really has been based off my resilience from, you know, when the old league folded to figuring out what I was going to do. And then when the end of the came back that first year, I went into preseason with Boston and then I was cut and then I made spirit. And then at the end of that season, I was waived and then tried out for flash. I mean, it's been up and down the whole way, but I think that I've always just wanted to play soccer so I was going to find a way and you know fast forward a few years and now I'm you know a veteran and have established my career when I look back I'm like it has been a crazy ride but I, I wouldn't trade anything for the world yeah and I when I met Jasmine we were playing at the spirit together and then we both actually went to western New York flash our second year uh, for me my second year your third year in nwsl and um that like i remember meeting you at first and being like on the field i was like gosh this girl is zippy like she's just got like a little zip to her and i'm like she kind of is like that off the field too she's just like this spark of energy and i feel like you have always had this underlying tone of like i'm gonna make it happen and that's what I've really appreciated about you and watching you grow in your career over the years is like every single year, Jazzy, you're just like getting better and better and better. And it made me really happy um, a little over a year ago, you know, that, that 2018 season, it would have been, mm -hmm. you were just like crushing life. Like what was that season? Like, cause not only in NWSL, did you have a great season? You had a great season in Australia. You played in the W league down there. Um, it was just like, nobody could stop you, girl. Yeah, it was, you know, I feel like everyone's career goes through ebbs and flows. And I felt like the beginning of mine was just trying to make it. And, and by the time 2018 came around, I had really hit my stride where like, okay, I've established myself. I don't need to fight anymore. I can just play freely. And that's when everything really started to happen. I just got the chills because I think there is a sense of like, when you stop trying to prove yourself, you can be more of who you really are. Yeah, absolutely. And it's tough. I mean, women's soccer is a very small um, community. There's not a lot of opportunities. So everyone is constantly fighting to make a roster to be able to play um, that it's hard not to kind of lose yourself and just getting there. 
Um, but in actuality, your, your best time to shine is kind of just to relax and, and be free and be you and play. Yeah. What are some of the memories you have from, from that year or from your first years in NWSL? Something that sticks out that you're like, man, that was a good goal or that was a really in- incredible moment. Something that you'll, um, has maybe kept driving you to get back to that feeling right now as you're recovering. Yeah, I think, I mean, I have so many, but my... That's a good thing to say, right? Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Because that's why you do it. You want to, it's for the memories and, and enjoying yourself. But I think my favorite one is the semifinal um, in 2018. We were playing Portland. So it was like such a big game because the Seattle Portland rivalry is, you know, unmatched mm-hmm. in this league. Um, and I remember like our lineup came out and their lineup came out and I'm looking at my name in the starting lineup and I'm like, what am I doing here? Like 10 out of the 11 um, players in my starting lineup are internationals have like won Olympics and world cups. And then Portland's lineup is like eight out of 11 internationals. And I'm like, (laughs) what am I doing right now? Um, And I was so nervous. I like was so sick before the game and then when the whistle blew I was like okay just just play just do what you can because that's why you're on the field in the first place and I wound up scoring and like that is probably my favorite goal because it wasn't even the best goal I've scored but it was just my favorite because it was such an intense meaningful game Mm -hmm. and I fought so hard to get into the starting lineup and then I started and then I scored and the only thing that would have made it better is if we actually won the game. But, um, but for sure, for me, that's probably one of my favorite moments as a professional. I love that because I think in you've, you've mentioned it, women's soccer, we do, there is this perception that like, yes, national team players are amazing, but there are so many amazing players. And I think that one of the things that I am always like pushing for is like getting to know more of these players that are like, you know, like you who have been playing forever, like Catherine Reynolds, who has like been through everything and back, uh, Yael, like these, these stories of people who um, might not have the, the limelight all the time, but man, did you, you deserve to be in there. And I hope that was like a moment where you're like, yeah, I'm here to stay. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like you said, that that's really the type of player that makes up the league, you know, mm-hmm. because there's so many internationals coming in and out and the league is relatively short and and it wouldn't be here and it wouldn't exist without the veterans who are, are in there day in and day out, week in and we out week out, just building the league and, and the sport in general. So yeah. All right. Well, I love that. And um I think it's really I think sometimes these injuries happen to us at this time where we like for me too, like I was coming off of a high and then right off of this high, the, the hardest thing that you'd ever have to get through, you know, a a injury that takes you a year plus to get back from um, these moments that we can hold on to through this. So uh, about a little over a year ago, you know, the date exactly, right. The date that's going to stick in your head forever. Uh, what was that day like? What was injuring your ACL like? Do you, um, did you know right away what you had done? Yeah. Um, so it was our first game of the season. Every, everybody's always excited for the first game. And I remember being so pumped because NWSL put like a little poll out, like who was going to win. 
and all the fans had voted like Houston was going to win by like more percentage than we were going to win. So I was like, oh, absolutely not. Like our- <laughs> the first game. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and we had a long, crazy preseason. So I was like, this is it. You know, I feel good. I'm playing good. I'm in the best form. Like, this is going to be great. I did every single activation thing they tell you, a textbook. I hadn't even had a serious injury before this. Like right. one time rolled my ankle and one time tweaked my hamstring, maybe kept me out for two games my whole Which time. I'm surprised you haven't had more hamstrings because you're so stinking fast. I know. I I'm never crazy. had to worry about hamstrings. <laughs> <laughs> it really is crazy. Um, so I felt like, you know, I felt good. I felt... I felt ready, and then, yeah, I was just running back, change of direction, and I felt my knee buckle. I didn't have any pain. I didn't hear a loud pop, but I knew. Mm-hmm. I was like, that motion is not normal, and no one tackled me. And so I, I remember I just rolled over and grabbed my knee, and I was like, well, I just tore my ACL, mm-hmm. and... I don't really know what to do. So I was just laying there and then, you know, the whistle came. And then I think my body's like natural reaction started to happen. Like my heart was racing and I felt short of breath. I I think I was probably going into a little shock. And, but once the doctor and my teammate Lou Barnes got there, I calmed down and I got stretchered off and um, they did a little bit of testing in the locker room and they were like, I'm pretty sure like you tore your ACL, but we'll have to wait for a scan. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I think so too. And then I called my parents and I was like, I just tore my ACL. And they were like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And I think I was Were you talking numb. in that? Were you yeah, talking like, like in I that pace? I was so numb to the situation. I think I was just in such disbelief because I didn't think that I fit the mold for an injury right. like that to happen to. Mm-hmm. But all the signs kind of in my head pointed to like, yeah, like this is what you did. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, I don't know. I just had this weird, like calmness about me, even Mm. in the moment. And then the team came in for halftime and, and Vlaka was so like into just the game that I was like, yeah, I mean, why am I going to feel sorry about my knee right now? Like we have a game to win still. And so I walked back out with my crutches and then I just like cheered the team on and I yeah. was like, that, that was it. I was like, just back in team tunnel vision. Wow. And I don't, I just don't think it ever really hit me like, Ooh, I t- like you tore your ACL. And until like, um, I started reading all the messages from fans and, and prior teammates. And, and I think even you had messaged me and you're like, whatever you need, I'm here. And I was like, I don't know. I'll let you know when they get the scans back. And then I got the scans back and they confirmed I tore my ACL and both my medial and lateral meniscus. Wow. Um, And it was just so such a small, like, that's crazy that you tore both very so much damage in such a small movement um like even the doctor was like shocked a little bit and I'm like okay like but you know what I have seen so many people like Mm -hmm. you Alex Morgan Megan Rapino, like close teammates of mine come back and kill it and so I felt like a lot thanks for putting me in that no (laughs) honestly like how many people can have so many knee surgeries yeah. and still come back and play 
effectively at a high level. Like if I were the first person to tear my ACL, no one would come back because <laughs> it is very difficult work, you know, but That's I feel hard. like I knew I could come back because right. you came back because Megan mm. Rapinoe came back because mm. Alex Morgan came back because all these players before me had come back that I never really focused on, Oh shoot. Like I did this disastrous um, thing to my body. I was just like, I'm just another person who's going to have a great comeback story. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that really hit me about your post that you just had. And the reason why I shared it like right away is because it is so true. You know, this is, we're what, 370 days away from when you tore your ACL. Mm -hmm. And um, each one of those days was a big part of getting back to where you are today. And it's long and difficult and how you think every single day, even how you thought about that right away, Jazzy, is like, is such a good lesson to a lot of people is like, they're going to be and, and we'll talk about this, because there's probably days where you're just like, screw this, like, no, but it's okay to feel that as long as you're like, okay, I can control what I can control. And that's what really, I just loved what you had to say, because you really empowered yourself to say like, this is going to be what I choose it to be. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, like, it's long, it's difficult, it's challenging, but it's best I felt if you just let yourself feel what you're feeling in the moment, get it out, don't bottle it up, understand that it's part of the process, and then keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Like, that is the best way, I think, if I could give advice, I would, I would tell anybody, you have to tackle it with like, okay, I accept whatever is coming my way with this and I'm going to face it and I'm going to get past it. Mm. Did you have people like, how did you go about that? Because I think that's what people always want to know, you know, um, did you have, who were your people or how did you have those, re those talks with people to allow yourself to feel those feelings when as athletes, it's kind of hard to feel those things, right? We've been taught in so many ways to not feel those things and not allow those to be a part of our everyday routine when in all reality, they do help us be even a better athlete, even a better person, uh, better at this recovery is to like feel what we're feeling and be okay with it. Yeah, for sure. I think another thing that was really helpful was just the timing mm -hmm. of my injury because it was the first game you know, I knew I was out for the season. So I, I automatically didn't have any pressure to get back. Oh, I knew I was going point. to have a whole year. Mm -hmm. um, I also knew that there was no real storyline behind it. It's not, I mean, I personally felt like I was playing at my best, but it was the first game. There was no like, she was having an amazing season. If yeah. only she didn't, you know, I didn't have pressure from either side because it was the first game. So I think that's something that is maybe unique to my situation, but relieved a lot of pressure. Um, I also think my organization was helpful because um, they, they enabled me to go home and have surgery in New York because as you know, the first part of <clears throat> your post-op, you're very limited in what you can do. And I just wouldn't have had the support and help that I needed from the staff here. And they were so supportive in letting me go home. My dad is retired. My sister-in-law um, lives at home with us and she's home with 
um, my niece and nephew. So I had so many hands around me Mm -hmm. um, and family and and people who've been on this whole journey with me this whole time that I never felt alone um, or, or incapable or, or unloved. And I think that enabled me to really kind of stay in a positive uh, light through it all. Yeah, I'm sure your uh, little niece and nephew helped you as well. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And my, it's funny because my, both of them. My niece has had some um, very traumatic health issues, um, and she had a stroke when she was very young. So she has still rehabbing her left side of her body. So she calls her left extremities lefty. And so she would come in and I tore my left knee and she'd be like, how's lefty? So I had this bond with her and my nephew is learning how to walk. And so I'm learning how to walk while he's learning how to walk. And it was just such a special time. um, Kind of beautiful. Yeah. And I had so much to be thankful for because I, I haven't really been in their life for much time at all because of my schedule. And I just had to kind of rethink like this, this injury happened to me, but maybe it was not really about me. And it was just about being around people that I love and, and getting an opportunity to um, just enjoy that for mm-hmm. a period of time that I really haven't had since yeah. being a professional. Well, that made me teary eyed because it's like, it is, I think there's things that just happen that unless you're open and like you said, you kind of just accept that this is going to be the way it is um you maybe would have missed out on that how beautiful that was right and all the commonalities that that would have brought or if you wouldn't have said how you felt and said hey I, I think I need to go home you know this could have been completely different and I think one of the things I always tell people and I'm sure people have asked you now that you are in the club too is like you have to listen to what is best for you. And if that doctor or that PT or that decision doesn't feel right, like don't make the decision yet until you feel like it's the okay decision for you. And that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, you and Megan Rapino are two people who really, um, that's something you were kind of adamant about, like speak to different doctors, listen, who's going to make you feel most comfortable and you, you definitely told me that. And Pino was like, you need to take care of you first. We will be here supporting you. But if it's best for you to go home and be around your family, then, then that's what you got to do. So I felt comfortable making those decisions, you know, having people like you guys in my corner who have gone through this before and can maybe help guide me and help me be able to navigate the difficult decisions you have to make. Um, so again, like, I felt very fortunate and, yeah. and supported throughout the whole, the whole time. And it set your mindset in a really good uh, direction and allowed you to know what it felt like to be uh, kind of not in control of the process, but, you know, at the forefront of making the right decisions for yourself. One of the things that people ask me all the time, and since you're right in the, you know, almost in the towards the end of it, but you had this experience most recently is when you are away from your team for a little bit, and then you come back, you can feel a little distance. I, I don't know if you felt that way, but what would your advice be to people who do, you know, sometimes you just have to decide like, Hey, I can't, I need to not be at training for a bit. It's really hard for me to watch, or I had to get surgery somewhere else. And now I'm reintegrating myself back into the team. What are some things that you would maybe say to them to help them 
navigate that process? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, for me, <laughs> we had so many injuries in our season that yeah, that was wild. I left. I know when I left and came back, there were genuinely people I had never met in the locker room who were now the core of the team. I'm talking about like eight, nine girls that did not really know of me and I had no idea who they were. And now we were teammates. Wow. Um, so it's hard. It was definitely, hard. I felt like the stranger and I had been in the club for years and they had just come in. But I think you can't lose sight of your own personal value. You know, for me at that point, it was just being the best teammate I could be. So making these new friends and helping them build their confidence so we can achieve a common goal, like finding how you can help achieve that common goal is probably the best way to go about it. And if it means, you know, asserting yourself in or or taking a, a a step back, um, that, you know, maybe depends on the different situation, but you just have to remember that you are a team and every team has a common goal. And if you can find your way, how you help that the team achieve the common goal, then it'll be an easier transition for you when you come back in. It's a really good point. And you are not just because you're injured. It's not that you're not a part of the team. Mm-hmm. It's just that what you had pictured in your mind as your role is shifting into something different and to be able to allow that shift to happen and say, okay, I'm still a part of this. I'm, I still want to be a part of this. So how can I adapt in order to make that the best role for me right now? I like that. I think that that's going to help a lot of people. Um, when you're thinking about this last year overall and maybe the lessons that you've learned, what were, I'm going to actually go to this, this idea that you had mentioned, like it wasn't that hard for you. And I think, I think I really, I I don't think it was hard for you. Like every time I talked to you or every time I saw you, you really hit it head on. Um, How do you think in those moments where the, where PT was difficult or something was difficult, how did you refocus your mind on like, um, I can get through this, right? How did you continue to do that throughout this? Because it's not like every day was, you know, rainbows and butterflies, right? And you're not in your head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think in the beginning, I would stay focused on the end goal. Like you want to still play. So this is what you need to do to get back. And then as time got longer and that got harder, (laughs) um, I had to kind of take a step back and say, okay, maybe it's not so much that you just want to get back on the field. Maybe it's just that you want to be able to do the things you like to do again. I like to run. I like to like exercise. Mm -hmm. You need to get your knee to move to be able to do what you like to do. Um, And I started to break it down into smaller goals, which I think a lot, anybody coming back from any type of long-term injury will say, focus on the small victories. Um, And that's really what I had to learn how to do as month five, six, seven ticked along, and I still wasn't where I thought I would originally be. Um, And also just not comparing yourself to anybody, which everyone says, and it's nearly impossible to do, but especially with this injury, honestly, no two injuries are the same. Like 
how you tear so your ACL, yeah. where you tore it. Like the fact that I tore my both meniscus as well is already a completely different injury than someone who only tore their ACL. Um, so you kind of have to just go in a bubble. And I think I was really good at just like making my own safe space in my head where I wasn't competing with anybody. I wasn't trying to impress anybody. I was just trying to do one thing better than I did the day before. Um, and whatever it was, whether it was like, oh, like I stepped up a little bit more even today, yeah. boom, small victory. Like right. I bent my knee a little bit further today or like I wasn't as stiff today. There's always one positive that you can find. And that's what I started to do. Sometimes I would make it up even. I'd be like, well, <laughs> like <laughs> I couldn't do anything today, but my knee didn't make a weird crunchy sound. I'll take it. Like take it. <laughs> whatever it is to just find something to smile about at the end of the day. Mm. Um, that's really what got me through. And that's not easy because our brains are programmed in a way that we actually are more inclined to latch on to the negative things than we are the positive things. Like when we are done with a soccer game or whatever sport you guys play that are listening, you tend to remember the things that you did wrong more than the things that you did right. So when we're saying this, like, it is something you have to work on every single day. And when Jazzy's saying like, my knee didn't make that creaking noise, like that is a victory. Like, I think we overestimate um, the power of some, or underestimate the power of something so small and how it can build up into something so much greater than what it is. And just even watching you talk through it, it, I can tell that you, it was something that you worked on and you were adamant on like, I have to work on my mindset and I, I have to keep it in a place where I know that this is going to help me progress. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that I never had to do before because I was very blessed with natural athleticism and I took all the movements that I was able to do for granted. I never stretched. I like barely rolled out. It would be like, Ooh, my quad is so tight that like, I'll probably tear it if I don't roll out. I, I neglected all the things that you should do for like normal movement, let alone <laughs> as a professional athlete. And so to go back from scratch and just really learn about my body, how it moves, why it moves the way it does, and how to make it move at its most efficient has been so fun to learn because now I'm like, man, if I was the athlete before when I didn't do any of this, Imagine how great of an athlete I'm going to be now that I know the tools that I'm using and how to use them properly. So, you know, I can't wait for that. Yeah. Like it's such a, it's a really terrible situation, but you can really find the greatness in it. If you just kind of dive in and, and let yourself experience it as its own, own journey. Do you feel like that way of just appreciating what your body is capable of, is that one of the things that you would take away from this as your biggest lesson you learned? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even to this day, um, recently I've been having some stiffness on the outside of my knee and I'm like, my knee's been good. Why, like, why is it? And I've ramped up my training load a lot in the last month. And I've been working with a massage therapist and he's like, oh, well, your IT band connects in here. And when, you know, you're, you're not moving properly, things are overcompensating. And I'm like, I was probably doing this my whole career. 
And to be able to go back and learn that if you treat every part of your body <laughs> properly and invest in it them alone, when you start to put the whole big picture together, like you'll be so surprised at how strong and, and just impressive the, the body is. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. And I, I think it almost takes an injury, not a devastating one, but just to appreciate how intricate and, and re really impressive the human body is. Right. I can't believe Betos let you get away with not taking care of your body, living with oh, her for so long. She, hate, she hates it. She's like, <laughs> what are you doing? And she's like, I would wish this never happened to you, but finally, finally you are being accountable. I'm like, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she is probably such a blessing in this whole thing too, to have her as a roommate and someone. She is hilarious. Um, if you guys are listening and want a good follow, she's, she's on top of a lot of things and humor is one of them. Do you think there's any other takeaways from this Jazzy that you're, um, that you have leading back into your return to play? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just um, really not comparing yourself to anybody else because everyone's injury and their journey with it is different. And also actually something my fiance has been really helpful in as far as mindset goal goes is just change the way you speak to yourself. Mm -hmm. So I would be like, when am I going to do this? When is my knee going to bend? when am I going to play again? And he said, you're asking the wrong questions. The question isn't when, the question is, are you going to bend your knee? Is your knee going to bend? Are you going to run again? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, exactly. And once you kind of make that switch, you realize like, you're right. Like, it's not so much when, it's just the fact that one day you are going to be able to do those things. And once you get there, the rest of the process becomes so much easier to get through because you've taken all, all of that excess pressure off of yourself. Yeah. When that's some good advice. Yeah. Good. He's the smart one in the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, you are so close now you can taste it. You are, um, nearly back on the field. What is this? What do you anticipate this is going to look like? And it could not look like this at all. Right. And I think that's one of the things you mentioned, right. Is kind of letting go of what we think is going to happen, but working towards what, what we know will happen at some point. Um, how close are you to feeling like you are, are back on the field with your team come season? Yeah, I think, um, from a strength and stability aspect, I think my knee is ready to go, but I definitely, because we haven't been able to train, I will still need to readjust and reacclimate to soccer specific movements and, mm -hmm. and the reaction and kind of unpredictable side of things. And it will take me some time to reintegrate into team sessions. Um, but I foresee having way more freedom doing it than I originally planned because the timeline was going to be so close and I really wanted to be ready for when the season started. Um, but now I'll be that much stronger, that much more comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and so I can really just focus on my technique and the speed of play as opposed to like, is my knee still okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you this jazzy right now you're going to get back into training 
and you're going to have that smile the whole entire (laughs) training and your mind is going to be like, this is what I want to do. And your body's like, Ooh, I'm not quite there yet. And that's okay. I think you will get those two things start to go like, start to grow at a pace where they meet each other a lot quicker once you get back into training. But what is that? What, how does that make you feel thinking that, you know, you're, you're going to hop back into training with your teammates and, and be able to do something that makes you feel so alive again? Yeah, it's so exciting. I mean, I try not to get too ahead of myself because it's still kind of, just, we don't know. Yeah, um, for sure. But like you said, like I, I smile thinking about it. I know I'm going to be smiling out there and I'm, I'm a pretty goofy person to begin with. So I anticipate those weird moments of like, what is my left leg doing? Like baby giraffe. <laughs> Um, and just being able to laugh it off and enjoy it because everything I worked toward was just to get back on the field with my teammates. Mm-hmm. And when I get there, nothing else is going to matter because, you know, that, that was the end game, just being able to play again. And the next phase will, my competitiveness will kick back in and I'll want right. to be as good as I was. Totally. But for right now, like, I just want to be able to play. One of the things that I did that I would recommend for you, I'd recommend for anyone who's going through this process is when you get back to playing on the field with your team, you're going to have all those thoughts of like, man, why couldn't I do that? Why couldn't I do this? Like, why is it not happening? And I found a teammate every time. And I said, Hey, I know I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I need you to be the person that tells me everything that I do right because I just need that voice to be louder than my voice of like, you didn't do that right. And I think that just having, bringing somebody in and allowing them to share in your, that part of your recovery and that part of your mindset can really help. And it shuts down that negative voice that we can, you know, that can be loud when we're in the middle of the game. Right. So, um, that always just helped me. I will definitely take that into account. Honestly, I'm probably going to just put it in the whole team group chat that we have. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just a heads up. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that, Jazzy. Okay. Um, I've only got a couple of other things for you. Um, one is you mentioned your headbands and your clothing line a little bit, but I want you to tell everybody a little bit more about it. What was What inspired you to do it? And um, you said that this has been a real blessing in the sense that you've gotten to dig a little bit more into that. Um, where are you at now with that? Yeah, so I'll just give a little background. It was just a small headband collection. I, I always wear headbands because my hair is crazy and fun, and um, I, I like to express myself. Um, and it's the only way that you can, like, spice it up, you yeah, know, jazz it up, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> You nailed it. That's where the, the, the name of the, the brand came from. Um, but yeah, so I started a couple years ago doing this research. I'm super into the environment about um, how detrimental like fashion and certain fabrics are to the planet. And I realized that, okay, if I'm going to be contributing kind of to the industry, let me at least do it in an eco-friendly way. So I made eco-friendly Um, headbands and scrunchies and since I wasn't playing like no one was really seeing my headbands or scrunchies so I was like how can I get this message across to a broader audience while I'm not playing and then um, with the support of my family decided to relaunch it as a whole clothing line 
Um, so we did that this fall and it's really, it's really been accepted um, and it's fun. I have my first collection is called Revolutionize the Game and it's made out of 50% organic cotton and 50% recycled polyester that is made from recycled plastic bottles. So I think it's super cool. It encourages people to recycle and mm -hmm. just kind of like be eco-conscious. And, and it's really cool that, you know, fashion gives you the ability to just like be an extension of yourself and, and promote and advocate for things that you care about. And I love the environment. And if I can, you know, inspire one person to recycle more with right. a t-shirt that I made, then, then my job is done. Well, fashion now, and you can kind of marry those two things, right? Like fashion is how a lot, you know, a lot of us express ourselves, but also it doesn't have to be as detrimental as it, it can be. So, um, marrying those two things together. I love that. And, um, it is, it probably was really nice to have a creative outlet during this too, because our sport is our creative outlet. And we, when we lose that, it's like our body craves and our mind is like, Oh, what can I do that? Um, you know, I, I tried the gamut of everything. Like I painted and I, I remember like, when you were painting. Yeah. yeah. Just, I would do anything just to like tap into that creativity because it's such a good outlet and it's cool that yours is not just a one-time thing that it was something that you wanted to do and you can continue to pursue that for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun. I mean, I didn't really know much about fashion besides what I liked and what I didn't like, but to go behind the scenes and kind of like understand how, how clothes are made and what fabrics to use. It's been something so new, like you said, to kind of like rechannel my creative side and keep my brain busy yeah. um, and really rewarding. Okay. Two more things for you. The one thing I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but uh -oh. <laughs> no, I'm going to do it anyways. Um, you're just a year out of your injury. If you could go back and tell yourself before that game all that you would learn in this year, right? What this year would teach you. Um, what do you think you would tell yourself? Ooh. Wow. I would probably tell myself you have so much more to grow still. I feel like at that point in time, I was like, yes, this is it. This is the best I'm going to be. This is the, the greatest I'm going to be. This is the most influential I'm going to be by being great this season. And I was completely wrong. Like there's a whole nother level of myself that I didn't even know existed until this injury happened. Yeah. I that made me emotional because it is so cool that we um, that you Jazzy use this and you found out so much more about yourself, right? And you saw that you're so much more than an athlete, than a soccer player, than um, how you perform on the field. And yes, those are all really cool things about you, but um, that was really good advice. And I think you're you a year ago would have been like all right, let's go. And that's kind of how you, you've taken it this whole time. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy because I mean, I would wish this upon no one, no one, honestly. zero humans, never, because it really, it's really hard. It's really long and it's, it's just tough, but 
if I could tell everyone to have a year of self-discovery where you can take a break from your job, what you, what stresses you but excites you, and just find yourself, mm-hmm. I would recommend everyone to do that. And sometimes the only way you can do that if as if you're just stopped in your tracks and you take the time to do it. And I was never going to take the time to do it because no. I was tunnel vision. Like, this is my life. This is what I'm doing. Train, mm-hmm. train, train, play. What can I do? Where can I go to be the best soccer player I could be? And trying to be this best soccer player, I was missing out on so much more that me, the person, had to offer. So, like, yeah, it's crazy. And I genuinely meant it when I said this has been the most rewarding year of my life. Um, And I I wouldn't – I really, really wouldn't trade it. I would trade the pain, the physical pain. I would trade um, trying to bend my knee. Exactly. A hundred percent. I would trade that. But the journey and the emotional and the mental side, I wouldn't trade because it's been so rewarding. Oh, Jazzy, this has been so great. Um, Okay. Last question. I ask everybody who comes on the podcast, um, you've gotten scars through this. When you look at your scars, what do they mean to you? Oh, man. My scar, two things. One, it makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> okay. I, this is, see, I'm very goofy. Um, because it's very small. And apparently when I was under the knife, my surgeon came out to see my dad. And he's like, it's taking a little bit longer than we expected because your daughter's knee is so small. Like the kneecaps <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's so true. They were, you are tiny. <laughs> so it makes me laugh because I can only imagine behind the doctor. The- like, yeah, like, <laughs> uh, like it, I'm always just made, made fun of in a very nice, but joyous way. Like you're so small, you're tiny, da, da, da. but I'm like, even my scar is tiny. <laughs> like, come on. Um, and also it's just, it makes me proud because I, I already feel how much stronger I am um, from this journey. And so, yeah, it makes me smile twofold because it's silly. Well, I'm silly. And um, because I'm just, I've, I've done this. I've it's a representation it. of yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Silly Absolutely. and strong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, Jazzy, this has been so much fun. Thank you for coming on here. Thank you for sharing so many good little nuggets. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait for this to be over and we can hug again. I know, right? Reunion. Yes. I owe you a long, one of those lingering hugs. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We play back and forth. (laughs) Done. How about that insight from Jasmine there? A lot of really good things to take away from this hour-long talk that we just had. I love her mindset. I love her ability to refocus on the positives and take that into practice every single day. Of course, we are so excited to see her back on the pitch this year whenever NWSL starts and truly believe that what she's learned about herself in this process will only allow her to be a more full, complete player when she does return. I have linked everything you need to know about Jasmine in the show notes, so make sure you go follow her on Instagram, follow her company as well, and support them in any way that you see fit for you. 
I just thank you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for asking me questions all the time so that I can ask people that I have on the podcast. This is something that I love to do and I love to share people's stories because I really feel like in sharing your own story, you can not only remind yourself of all that you've been through and all the strength that you have, but you can also inspire others to tap into that within themselves too. So I hope that you can go out there wherever you are and show your scars and share your story with pride.